Amen. Thank you. If you would take your Bible with me, I want to share from an obscure text that many of you have probably never heard of this evening. Take your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, I know this may be uh, something brand new for most of you, but there's one who has quoted this passage to me many times, and I've asked him to share tonight. Joe, do you know John 3.16? I think you know that. Why don't you read it for us, Joe? Carrie's going to hold the mic for you. You quote it or read it whenever you're ready. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him will be saved. Amen. Amen. We got John 3, 16 and 17. Thank you, Joe. Very good. This passage is one that we have known for uh, most of our life, most of us. Um, It's one that is written on banners at football games. It's one that uh, even people who don't put their trust in Jesus have heard of. It's a very famous passage, but I believe God wants to breathe fresh and new on this truth for us tonight. I want to share with you a message entitled, Our Value to God. Many people have taken this scripture, John 3.16, and have arranged it in many different ways. And this is one of my favorite ways that it's been arranged. It's in your outline there, I think, if you have one of those. Listen as I read or follow along. God, the greatest one, so loved the greatest degree, the world, the greatest amount of people, that he gave the greatest generosity His only begotten Son, the greatest uniqueness, that whosoever the greatest invitation believeth in Him the greatest simplicity, should not the greatest certainty perish the greatest possible loss, but the greatest difference have the greatest possession, eternal the greatest length, life the greatest gift. When we notice in John 3.16 the great generosity that God has, it helps us to understand a couple things about who He is in His love for us. First, if you're taking notes, jot it down. It helps us understand His character and nature. He is extravagantly generous. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 tells us, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. We understand that His character and His nature is to be generous, to be loving. That is who He is. We also understand the depth of God's care for us. As demonstrated by His generosity, or as one would say a little bit differently, our value to God is tremendous. I want to share the rest of the time on how valuable you are to God. John 3.16 makes it abundantly clear how valuable you and I are to God. We are often bombarded by the fact that we are sinners. It's sometimes difficult for us to grasp how much God loves us. We think, who am I that God would love me? I mean, He created me, so He has to kind of have some kind of like for me, but to really, really love me if everybody knew what I have done or what I have thought or what I have said, 
would they really love me? God knows everything about you and he desperately loves you. I think often we are so aware of our unworthiness. We sing about it and we talk about our need for God's grace and that's appropriate. But sometimes we miss out on how much God loves us right where we are at. You and I have value to our God. So this evening, I want to take the discussion of our unworthiness, though that is a valid discussion, though it is true, and and set that to the side for a moment. And let's focus in on how God loves us, not because we are worthy of His love, but because He is so generous and He is so gracious to us. If all you ever think about is how unworthy you are before God, it can lead to feelings of condemnation and alienation. When in fact... There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And we who were far off have been brought close to Him. We've been bought with a price. The emphasis of what I want to share this evening is not where you were before Christ was in your life, but the great value that God has placed on your life. I believe for some in this room... Though it's not going to be new, probably for anybody, as I look around, I don't know that anybody is going to be surprised by what John 3.16 has to say. But maybe if we open our hearts and mind, there can be some freedom that God wants to bring for us, a reminder of how much He loves us, how much value He places on us. When you think about how to determine the value of something, how you set a price, how you figure out how valuable it is, There's a few standards that help us determine that. I want to look at those tonight and see if they help us get another glimpse of how God feels about you. First, you can look at the cost of labor and production. What does it really cost to produce this? What kind of labor is involved in in making this thing possible? How much it costs to produce something is an important item in determining its value. Jesus told a parable about counting the cost before you build a tower or before you go to war. Luke 14, 28 and 30 tells us, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. God knew exactly how much it was going to cost him to make and to redeem man long before the first man or woman was created. Ephesians 1.4 tells us, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In Genesis 1, we see there is no hesitancy to suggest in his creation of man, even though God knew what was coming and the need for his son. He knew how much it was going to cost him and he went ahead and created man anyway. Why? Because in his eyes, it was worth doing. The cost of creating and redeeming man was outweighed by the value he placed on having us close to him. You have a tremendous value to God. Not just the person next to you or not just some really religious, holy person like Billy Graham or like Mother Teresa, you have tremendous value to God. 
We also need to see that not only the cost of labor and production help us determine something's value, the, the purchase price can help us. When we begin to consider what price was actually paid for us, it begins to describe the value that God has on us. Some people will pay millions of dollars for a painting of water lilies. I don't know that there's any painting that I would want to pay millions of dollars for. I have a couple friends who like collecting art, and they spend a little bit of money on things that please their eye. I remember a few years back, there would be people who would spend thousands of dollars on these stuffed beanie babies. Thousands, because it was a tremendous investment. I don't know what it is that you would spend thousands of dollars on, but beanie babies didn't make my list. Some people pay great amounts for Barbie dolls or baseball cards or cars or whatever it is. When we put a price on something, we're willing to spend a certain amount of money. It speaks of how valuable it is to us. I hope you're getting the point, which is the degree that something has value to you is the degree that you're willing to pay for it. How much God paid for you says a lot about how He values you. In heaven, gold and jewels have little value. In fact, gold will be pavement, which we walk on. What then is valuable in heaven? If heaven had a vault to protect its most prized possession, what would be kept in that vault? Not silver, not gold. If we could open heaven's vault's door, I believe we'd find the person of Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. God spared no expense in purchasing us. He gladly, He willingly emptied His vault, gave the best that He had so He could purchase you and I. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 20 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. When we consider the price that was paid for us, the precious blood of Jesus, we begin to see how much God values you. In determining how valuable something is, we also can see the effort that is put to obtain that thing. When an item is considered valuable, you put great effort into obtaining it. What is it that you'd spend a lot of effort to obtain. What would you climb mountains to get to? I remember a show a number of years back where people would do gross things on TV to win a prize of money. They would eat nasty things. Bugs. Worms. Gross things. Grotesque things. How far would you go to what lengths, what effort would you give to obtain something that was valuable to you? Philippians 2 and many other places show how God was willing to go the ultimate distance for us. But it's not eating gross things as some TV shows have done in years past. But the most grotesque thing ever done to anyone to win a prize was when God 
Lay on him the iniquity of us all, like Isaiah 53, 6 says. God put on Jesus every sin committed by every person who ever lived. No one ever went further, went to any greater length to get something than God went to save us by giving his son, Jesus. God went as far as he possibly could to get to you and to me. Another way to determine how valuable something is, is how much care do you put into keeping that thing? A thing's value can be determined by the amount of effort and care spent to safeguard it. Two main things that God has done to safeguard us is giving us the indwelling Holy Spirit and the gift of His written Word, the Bible. When God sent His Holy Spirit to seal and protect us, there's no greater value anywhere than His Spirit being with us. There's no stronger bodyguard. There's no more diligent watchman. No more powerful protector than the very Spirit of God. God sent us the best. Secondly, God gave us His written Word, the Scriptures. They have come down to us as blood-stained writings. Many men and women have given their very life to pass on the truth that God has given us in His Word. Though in every generation there's been somebody who wanted to extinguish God's Word, it's never been snuffed out. It's always made it through every civilization, every time, at a tremendous price. God wants to safeguard us by giving us His truth to saturate ourselves in in His Word in the Bible. By giving us the most diligent watchman ever, the most blood-stained book ever, God says, you are valuable to me. Also, if something's really valuable, somebody wants to steal it. Somebody wants to take it. It's the value that thieves put on that price. They place on that item. Can determine some value. Satan looks at you, looks at me, and he's prowling around like a lion, ready to devour you because not you and I are so special, that's not why, but because God loves us so much. If Satan can't get at God, he wants to get at what he values tremendously, his kids. And it's one thing if someone wants to come at me, it's another thing if someone wants to come at my daughter. I can take some things myself, but... It's hard for me to take something if you're coming after my daughter. When it's someone you value so much, it can hurt you. And Satan wants nothing more to hurt God by stealing your joy, by stealing your very walk with Him, by devouring you and defeating you. Finally, the terms of endearment. How you speak about something, how you refer to it, lets you know how valuable it is. Many scriptures could be shown here, but here's one. Deuteronomy 32.10 In a desert land he found him, in a barren and hallowing waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them on its pinions. This text is speaking of 
God's love for Israel, but also can apply to the New Testament church and can also come down and apply to all of Christ's followers. His great love for us, how much he values us, how he speaks of us. All throughout Scripture, you find terms of endearment and how God loves his kids. He is our shepherd. He is our guide. He is our counselor. He is the one who loves us more than anyone else. It's been my observation that Christians find it easier to tell somebody else God loves them. In fact, just try it. Turn to the person next to you and say, God loves you. Ready? Go. That's not so hard. But when you honestly can hear yourself say, Jesus loves me. And not just to say it, but to believe it and to put your trust and weight on that. Sometimes that's a little bit more difficult than we'd like to admit. I think it probably has something to do with the lingering feelings of guilt or inadequacy. Some are still chained to. But when you look at all that God has done for you, how much He has given for you, what He has said about you, you begin to allow those feelings to vanish away. Friend, I don't share anything with you that you have not heard. But I share something with you that I believe that you desperately need to hear again. God is head over heels in love with you. How we respond to His love is important, yes. And we'll spend many times here at Grace Point talking about how we respond to that. And because of His great love and His great grace, there is a great call to holiness. And this is very important to us. But we need to sometimes park and just be reminded that His call to holiness is rooted in His deep love for us. Every time in Scripture when God says don't, He's saying don't, it will hurt you or hurt someone else. When He says do this, He's saying it will bless you or bless someone else. It's rooted in His love for you. I want to ask Pastor Edgar to come. And I'm going to ask our ushers, as Lauren leads them, to come and prepare these elements for us. Here's what I'd like us to do in response to... John 3.16. We're going to sing a few songs that many of you would know. A few of you may not. But uh, as the ushers come now, come on now guys, come on down. They're going to take these elements and as we sing, they're going to distribute them. As you receive the elements, just hang on to it. I'll give you some instructions in a minute on how you can access the bread and the juice. And we'll partake of it together. But don't allow this time of communion to be something that, well, this is just kind of what we do. We're going to linger a little bit tonight in response to the Word. We're going to allow the love of God to saturate us, to penetrate the crustiness, the weariness, the slothfulness possibly. And to get right down to the core of who we are. And so as these lyrics come on the screen, I want to invite you to not sing any of it until your heart 
can believe some of it. So if your heart's ready to believe it, then you just jump in with Pastor Edgar right away. But if you need a minute just to be taken by communion, taken by the love of God, allow the body of Christ, as they lift up their voice and sing in these songs, minister to you and remind you how valuable you are to God. Let's sing together. Gentlemen, would you serve these elements to us?